Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to another episode of the Super Retriever Series Behind the Line Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm your host, David Hamilton. We have a great show for you today. Uh, if you tuned in to our first episode in the 2023 year, you noticed that we had two guests on that show, Leo Joseph III and Stephen Durrance. And well, that's what we're going to keep doing this year. We're either going to have two guests join at the same time or two separate interviews. That's what we're doing here in the second episode of 2023. To start us off, we'll talk to Ethan Corcoran. Uh, and then the second segment, we'll have Rob Robinette. Both of them were at the River Oak Farms event last weekend. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, we're recording it on February 26th, 2023. But last weekend in Geneva, Alabama, there was an event February 17th through February 19th. And that's what we're chatting about today with Ethan. Uh, Ethan, thanks for being here on the show. Uh, really glad that you could join us and, and be a guest here on the Super Retriever Series Behind the Line podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Mr. David. Absolutely. So uh, before we get started, let's just take a quick moment to thank our sponsors, Yukonuba. If you want to get everything your dog's got, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup at yukonubasportingdog.com. Like I said, we're joined today by Ethan Corcoran. He is a professional trainer. Uh, his kennel's BBFF. We'll get to that here in a minute. You actually even played college football, as I understand it. Yes, sir. That's great. Live there in Alabama, so uh, let's let's get started. Uh, what got you into dogs, and uh, how long have you been a professional dog trainer? I got my first dog probably back in 06, 07. Just went hunting with my family. The guy had a dog, and I fell in love with it. I ain't going to lie to you. I thought it was the coolest thing i ever seen. Uh, went to college, and when I got in college, I was your standard college football player. We kind of partied a little too hard in practice and got a little, you know, little GPA buying right there and i found a preacher up there it was training dogs and he took me in and taught me about everything i know and that's how i started training dogs at that point did you think that it was going to be a career opportunity or did you think it was something to kind of you know pass the time as you're trying to figure out what you were going to do in life 
I really thought it was just going to pass the time. I was actually going to school to get my bachelor's in science where I could be a chiropractor. And what made you, you know, kind of shift and say, hey, maybe maybe this dog thing is what I'm going to do for a living? <laughs> you know, I just fell in love with it. I trained with him five, five whole years right there when I was playing football. If I went in football in school, I was training dogs and, and I just couldn't let it go. It just, it just felt a part of me. At what point did you become, I mean, like how quickly after college did you become a a pro trainer and and what were those early years like for you? As soon as I come out, I told my dad, as soon as I graduated, he graduated and he said, what are you going to do now, son? I said, I'm going to train dogs. He said, I I was afraid he was going to say that. And uh, I went straight into it. I, I left his kennels and come straight up here and, and went wide open. Let's talk about the name of, of your kennels, BBFF. What does that stand for, and, and how did you come up with that name? It stands for Bang Bang Flop Flop. And we were sitting around there in the duck, the duck woods, me and my buddies, and we was talking about the kennels and what we was going to call it and how we was going to get it started. And, and we literally said what was our favorite thing to hear. It was Bang Bang Flop Flop, two gunshots and two ducks hitting the water. I absolutely love that, man. When I saw that was the name of your kennel, I was like, that's the most creative name I've ever heard ever, right? Most everybody's <laughs> has got a river or an oak in it. No offense to the guys at River Oak Farms last weekend, but everybody's, everybody's you know, kennel name's got the word river in it or oak, and yours was unique. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Yes, sir. As you became a professional trainer, obviously you were training dogs, but at what point did you also start competing in games like the Super Retriever Series or like, you know, some of the other things that, you know, some of the dog games out there to try to compete with some of your dogs? You know, I, I started just small, started junior tests back in 2010, 2011, and I worked my way up to Masters, and I just really always loved the SRS. I watched it, and I've watched it on repeat as much as possible, you know, back to the old old days, Rody Bess and Lyle Steinman and all those guys, and I just I just knew I wanted to be there, and, and I knew I wanted to do it. I knew it was going to take a special dog, and... I didn't do it till I felt I had a special dog and I broke out in probably 2018 and started my first SRS. And then you eventually made it to the crown. What was that like to run as a competitor in the crown? Oh, it was unbelievable. You know, I, I was so nervous. I played football all over the world. And I was never been as nervous as I was when I stepped to the line at the crown. Why do you think that is? Is it because it's a it's a wild shot, not knowing what the dog's going to do or what you're going to do, and that both of you are dependent on the other, or is it just the magnitude of the moment? What What do you think? Because that's a common answer. I'll, I'll tell you, a lot of people say, "Hey, I got up there, you know," and they've said, "Hey, I played baseball or played football or whatever," and I was more nervous, you know, coming to the line with my dog at, at the Crown Championship than I ever was playing competitive team sports with other humans. Why do you think that is? You know, you're just a competitor, and you want to do good, you know, and you're relying on a, on a, on an animal and, and you to work together and you take all this and you take all the cameras, you know, at the crown, there's cameras everywhere. And it's just like a wow factor. You're like, Hey, I really made it. You know, I watched, I've been watching this for years and I'm finally here, you know, and I was, I actually got a little emotional, you know, I, it was hard for me to take it all in. No, I can imagine. What did you take away from that moment as a competitor? Man, just to just stay humble and stay calm, you know, that was the biggest thing for me when I got up there and all the cameras and everybody I looked up to this whole dog world was sitting there watching me, you know, and talking to me and just to really watch them and how they handle their dogs and, and try to, to mock it, you know, to really pick them apart. And 
I had to really learn real quick how to stay calm under pressure, you know, because it's a lot of pressure competing with them guys, you know, Stephen Durrance and, and Lyle and all them. Well, certainly the Super Retriever Series also thinks highly of you because this past weekend you were a judge at the River Oak Farms event uh, in Geneva, Alabama. What was that like for you to be on the on the judging side instead of the competing side? That was one of the funnest things I've did. I'm not going to lie. That was, that was fun. What about the judging assignment was surprising to you what 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 was something that you didn't anticipate that you know at the end of the weekend you're like wow i didn't i didn't think that this was going to be something that the judges have to deal with <laughs> nothing really you know going into it i obviously knew what kind of caliber dolls we have there and you can't go into mindset with hey i'm gonna set up a just a standard hunt test or a standard field trial you know you gotta just the really the wow factor for me was that what I, was hard for me was actually staying focused enough because everything's so detailed all the numbers and you really got to keep track of all that dog after dog after dog and you're trying to be fair to every dog and judges sit you know consistent and that was the hardest part for us did y'all each judge it independent of each other and then at the end of the run say hey i had this many faults you know i had this many and then give them a collective number or are you talking with each other during the run and saying oh I'm going to deduct two points there. Oh, yeah, me as well. You know, at the first of it of each series, we, we would communicate pretty well, like what we was looking for and what we wasn't looking for and what we was going to penalize here and what we wasn't there. And by, by towards the middle of it and the end of it, we would just judge accordingly. And, you know, we was every time we was only about two off, if that. And at some of the events, one judge kind of takes the reins and says, hey, I'll design all the tests this weekend. And in some of the other events, you know, each judge gets to to basically select what the competitors are going to be competing in in that test, and they get to design it. Uh, what was it like last weekend for y'all? Who who kind of handled that, and, and did you get a chance to to lay out any of the courses with any of the different series? Yeah, me and Chase Hogg, we go way back. You know, we've been running in the hunt test world for a long time, and he's great at what he does, and we're good friends. And, and, you know, it wasn't one person took over the other. We, we was just equal as it we'd, we'd pull up to a series and say, Hey, what were you looking for? What do you want to see? And we would just pick out one mark and we'd build off that mark or pick out a blind and build off that blind. And we would just go back and forth. till we figured out what we'd like to see. For those that didn't get to be there at the event or didn't get to follow along on Facebook and Instagram, can you kind of talk us through each of the tests and what y'all were looking for in each of those tests? Yes, sir. First series, we, we threw a hunt test and we threw a mom and pop and a bird right to left out of a big old island and another one left to right. And we threw a little wipeout bird in your face and they come out. We wanted to know off the birds and run a blind. And the blind was off the short bird. The, the bird was landing to your right and you had to run it to your left and you had to run right past that. Then way out there, about a hundred or so yards the bird going left to right, you had to run past it under the arc and keep going. And SRSs, these dogs are so used to poison birds. You know, we run them all the time. He's a pro trainer. You run them all the time. But there ain't many opportunities you get to run a double poison bird. So we just thought that if we threw a double poison bird, you know, it'd be tough but fair and try to make it fair. And uh, if they – the dogs would think they was past the first poison bird and kind of get, you know, they had to rely on their team once they get out there towards the second. So we was really looking for control in the first. And um, 
looking if you come back and mark. Did any of the dogs stand out for you in that first series? Oh, Stephen Durant's dogs, Abby. I won't never forget that run. That was the most beautiful run I ever seen laid down. Why specifically? What what exactly about that run was making you think, oh my God, that Abby just killed this? Oh, she literally she killed it. She lined the blind and just put her nose on every mark. It was just incredible. It was it was it was a wow factor for sure. We we could we talked about it all weekend. Other um, tests that weekend, anything else that stood out to you, whether it was the test or whether it was a dog running one of those tests or just anything that kind of is top of mind thinking back, you know, one week later? You know, that, that dog right there, we, we was just talking about on a phone call yesterday again, and that's the dog that really stood out in that series, you know, and I, it was just incredible. You know, we, we just kept going back to Abby. Me and Chase was talking the other day and we was like, talking about that run and how, how beautiful it really was and how special it was to watch. You've been a competitor for many years. This was your first opportunity to kind of judge an event. What do you think you'll take away from this event as a competitor now knowing what judges are looking for? Certainly, you know, this isn't your first rodeo. You, you, you've stepped to the line many times. You know every judge is different. But, but what's something next time you're a competitor that you'll think, oh, maybe the judges are thinking this that you hadn't have thought about before? Yeah, you know, when you're setting these tests up, you know, you, you're, you're really looking to be fair in everything. And you got to think about the time you run and and the sun and the wind and all this stuff. And you think that as, as a competitor, too, as you're running. But it's just you don't it, you don't think about it in detail, I guess, when when you're a competitor. You know, it's easy to, to blame the judges, you know, hey – Maybe I didn't get a, a five-point penalty right there, a 10, you know, and think they missed it. And it, it was just hard as a judge because them are our buddies, you know. I've run with them guys. You know, it's it's hard. It's hard, you know, but you just got to judge it fairly. So I, I walked away with that just saying, hey, no matter what the judges give me, you know, I, I'm always going to be thankful at the end and, and not say anything. What's the rest of the year hold for you, whether it's Super Retriever Series or, or other competitions? Where where can we see more of, of Ethan and the dogs from BBFF? Yeah, we're going to, you know, we, we're going to start back at the hunt test. we got a competition at my place next weekend. Uh, we're going to hit some field trials, and we're about to break it back out in some SRSs. i got some young pups coming up that that we feel strong about and their prospects, and we're hoping to run some by the middle of the summer. Let's talk about a couple of those dogs. Any particular? I mean, obviously, you don't want to, you know, pinpoint some and not others. But is there one or two that really kind of stands out that maybe a year or two from now or even this year, maybe people will go, wow, you know, Ethan's got one hell of a dog right there. Yes, sir. I got this dog. He's a router. He, uh, he's special. He, he's a little young. He just turned three. You know, we're trying to wait a little bit to bring him out. But he's really compliant. He's real biddable. He's a team player, and he can mark. And we're just really looking forward to, you know, get him out there and to, to compete. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to seeing him. Uh, one, one thing about Ethan Corcoran that you wish people knew, whether it's that you're competitive or that you're super friendly or that, you know, you get nervous when you step the line. What's just one thing that people may not know about you that you'd like to, them to know about you if they're listening to this podcast? <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's a hard question. You know, it's probably just about my character. You know, I, I always try. I always try to be humble. I always try to be respectful and I always try to do the right thing. 
Hey, man, I love that. We, we're going to probably wrap up on that one right there. I don't think you can top that. Last question for you. One new thing we're doing this year is we're letting people on the podcast pick questions we ask other people later in the podcast. So who's one competitor in the Super Retriever Series that you want me to ask them a question and what's the question we want me to ask them? Because later in the year I might be like, hey, by the way, you know, Steven or Lyle or Rody or any of those other people you mentioned, hey, Ethan wanted me to ask you this question. We're going to put people on the spot this year. Uh, what's the question you want me to ask them in, in the future? And, and who do you want me to point that question at if we have them on the podcast later this year? Uh, Lyle Steinman, I want to know what is his all-time favorite dog and why? Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh, that's a real good one. All right. All-time favorite dog and why? Well, Lyle, if you're listening to this, uh, that is the question we are asking you from Ethan uh, when we get you here on the podcast. But Ethan, thank you for taking about 15 minutes here to talk to us this evening. We really appreciate it. I know a lot of people were interested in hearing from you after you judged last weekend to see, you know, what that experience was like. So uh, thanks for taking some time to chat with us. Thank you. All right. And after the break, we will have Rob Robinette before let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. You if you want to get the most of your dog in your training sessions, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. You premium performance lineup is built with the nutrients that dogs need to help unleash their maximum potential. That starts with providing energy that matches their efforts, supporting optimal nutrient delivery, and supporting post-exercise recovery. Check out the Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup and find your dog's fuel at yukonubasportingdog.com. And now I have the pleasure of welcoming our second guest for today's episode, Rob Robinette, who competed last weekend uh, with his dog Luna at the Super Retriever Series event there at River Oak Farms. Rob, thanks for taking about 15, 20 minutes here to talk to us about that experience last weekend. Yes, sir, man. Thank you for having me. So let's just first get started telling us a little bit about yourself and about your dog. You know, how you got started in the dog game? How many years have you been competing and uh, what type of events have you competed in previously? Well, so uh, that was my first event ever. Uh, as far as the dog deal goes, uh, Michael Dimmer with Windy Hill Retrievers um, trained the dog for me several years ago. And I kind of wanted to upgrade into the dog world. And so I told him to get me a get me a race car i just wanted a, a good hunting dog and he said all right so he had a puppy uh luna and uh started training her and uh, early on in her career you know she ran some some derbies and stuff until she aged out and been playing the uh, master hunter and grand hunt test game and uh michael actually runs a uh, duck hunting business for me windy hill outfitters up in arkansas so luna comes home to me every year from october through february pretty much to hunt with me and we were getting ready to pack up from arkansas michael said man uh you're gonna help me work that srs down there and i said yeah man ain't no problem i can help you we'll run it and he said well why don't you run luna in it? and i said excuse me he said yeah uh why don't why don't you run your dog in, in the event and i said man i've never even been to the line other than playing around training with you guys i mean i ain't got a clue what to do and he said well you need to do this at home and so I told him I would, signed her up, and, uh, man, I can tell you, it's, uh, I haven't had that feeling since probably 11th grade in the playoffs of a high school football game, walking out of the tunnel, getting ready to play. It's uh, the nerves and all was uh, something that's kind of hard to explain. Well, I can tell you right now, based on the conversations we've had on this podcast over the years before, whether it's your first time to the line or you're a seasoned veteran, that is something that a lot of people say. They, the nerves get to them a little bit as they're walking to the line. Let's talk about that real quick. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because you're you're worried that you won't perform or you're worried that, that you and the dog aren't in sync? Like, 
why do you think there's that common denominator, it seems, between all competitors as they walk to the line to have those butterflies? I mean, I think it's just the competitiveness comes out in you and then knowing that, you know, the dog is going to probably do its job and, you know, you're just as much in control of the score, you know, by the whistles and the cast. And also you have just as much pressure on you and nobody can control it but you. Um, you know, I, it's, I had no idea going into it. I was like, you know, Obviously, I didn't even know when to call for the birds. I had to ask people right before I went up there. I think Miss Carol was standing in the tent with me. She was like, you know, how you doing? I introduced myself, and I told her, I said, yeah, I've never even ran an event before. And she's like, okay, well, you know, you'll do it one day. And next thing I know, she looks up, and I'm at the line. And she said, oh, I could tell you were green because when you were standing up there calling for every bird because I've never done anything but been in training, you know. And uh, I had no idea what to do, but I think, you know, once the once the guns went off and then at that point, you know, the nerves were just instantly gone. It's kind of like the kickoff, you know, when the whistle blows in the football game, basketball game, whatever you have it. You know, once once we got started, then it didn't become easy by any means. Um, but the nerves were just instantly gone. I think it's just competitive. I mean, you got to definitely be competitive to walk up there and do something like that. Tell us about your dog, Luna. What's her personality like? Oh, man, she's uh, she's all over the place. <laughs> Um, one day, uh, one day you would think that she hung the moon, which is shoot for the moon. Luna's her name. And the next day you would think she's never picked up a bumper or a duck in your life. She's, she wants to be loved more than anything. That's the crazy thing about her is, you know, she's always been a kennel dog and a truck dog. And so, uh, Michael always kids at me whenever I bring her home for duck season, he's like, man, you letting that dog sleep in the house. And I was like, yeah, man, she's cause when she's at the kennel, you know, she's just, she's nasty. Um, but she comes home and you would think that she's a 10 pound Yorkie jumping in my lap in the recliner and she'll do anything she can to get attention. Um, she, she thrives for it. Uh, and I've got more than I ever dreamed of in a duck dog. And, uh, you know, she's done a, a great job in Arkansas for me. And now I guess me and her is going to take this new adventure on. She just turned four in February and she's starting to mature and, Michael asked me after I walked off the line, I made it through the first series, which was my ultimate goal, you know, running it was, I don't care what my score is. I just want to make it through the first series. And I made it through the first series and I told the judges and all, when I walked off, I said, man, picking ducks up in Arkansas is a lot easier than picking them four marks up, but uh, it'll definitely be something that, uh, that we're going to do in the future. Um, I'm actually going to go to another event here in a couple of weeks. That's awesome. That was actually my next question. Did you enjoy it? I mean, will you and Luna be back? Sounds like you will. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, she's back with Michael in training. Like I said, I drop her off every year in February and, um, you know, she goes on, Michael goes up North and trains, um, in the winter, you know, winter grounds, getting away from South Alabama heat. And so me and her are going to run as many things as we can between now and when he leaves. And, uh, yeah, going to Lake Okeechobee or South Florida, uh, two weeks from now. And, See if we can see if I learned. I know I'm sure, uh, you know, I beat myself up afterwards. I, I told Michael and Sean and some of the other guys I was talking to, I was like, man, you know, I've sat here and replayed it a million times in my head. I should have done this. I should have done that, you know, but I just got up there and got tunnel vision. And that first series had a poison bird in it with a blind. And, you know, I was like dog 22 or something to go. And I'm sitting there like, okay, I've never ran an event in my life, and here they are, pro dogs, you know, going out. Dogs I know and respect and handlers, you know, I never met them until then, but heard their names and seeing them fall, I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be a 
disaster and we get up there and I get her off the poison bird and I was, and then I lost, uh, I just lost total train of thought of everything we were doing and forgot we had three more birds to pick up, but luckily we picked them up and racked up a pretty good score. But, uh, you know, it, it was definitely an experience, a, a learning experience for both of us. Um, but yes, I would definitely, definitely be going back and doing it again. I got to get some more of that. Like you said, man, as long as you put up a number, no matter what that number is, as long as it's not a DNF, hey, you finished a series, right? <laughs> right, yeah, and I was picking at some of them, you know, some – some, and that's – you know, I enjoyed the, the pre-training, you know, once we decided, okay, Rob's going to do this and come home from Arkansas and we only had about 10 or 12 days to get me in somewhat shape of, you know, what side the dog needed to be on. And, you know, I mean, like I'm, when I say green, I'm talking about I was wet behind the ears. You know, I had never – even dreamed even thought about you know i i I knew how to run her in the pit and the blind in arkansas you know that's totally different uh concept so i got a crash course and and i enjoyed uh that week leading up to it with mr jerry and sean and michael and uh coming down and you know pre-training i enjoyed the camaraderie and sitting there listening to the war stories and all just as much as running the event my you know itself was sitting there getting to listen to all them guys talking give me pointer after pointer and you know i was digging for information you know like a little kid out there just asking question after question after question so um a lot to learn don't know anywhere near what i need to know but i got a good support system with michael and them guys to to help me hopefully lead me in the right direction anyway Hey man, that's all. It's, that's what it's all about, right? In this sport, it's all about learning what you can from from everybody around you. Talk to me about that camaraderie. Was that something you were expecting, or was that a little bit unexpected? Like, wow, all these guys are competitors, but they're also all friends with each other. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I didn't really know. I mean, I knew they were all buddies, and I had heard, you know, Michael talking about all of them, but I had never been in that circle. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like duck hunting or anything. You know, duck, ducks and dogs all just that's that's why i love duck hunting so much is the camaraderie part and you know the killing's a bonus and you know sitting there uh listening to mr jerry tell war stories and and sean picking at him and michael picking at all of them you know it was uh knowing all those guys were going to tee it up and go at one another but at the same time you know best friends was something that makes this uh this game very special i think and it was the same way you know up, up at the event you know everybody obviously was competing against one another but you know, they would have gave the shirt off their back to, to help anybody out. And, you know, that's pretty special these days. Absolutely. Quick question for you. It was your first time in the line. Like you said, you're green behind, you know, you're green a little wet behind the ears. Had signed up as an amateur handler, but because Luna's co-owned as a pro, you actually had to op- run in the open. Do you think that uh, having to run in the open division helped you, hurt you, or, or wasn't really an issue because you were so green, you were just trying to make sure that you, you know, figured it out up there, you know, run by run and, and, and honestly kind of bird by bird there in that first series. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It scared me once we figured out, you know, Matt <clears throat> called, uh, I was actually with Michael when Matt made the call. So, you know, when I bought Luna from Michael, um, you know, we never really done the paperwork deal because I mean, I, you know, obviously we had never thought about any kind of, uh, repercussions, I guess, of this kind of stuff. And, so when I signed her up in the amateur division, then we got the phone call. Hey, you know, she, you know, that Luna's a, a pro dog with Michael being a pro trainer with Wendy Hill Retrievers. And so he was like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, man, I'm going to run, you know, it, you know, it's me and the dog. Um, it, it, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't change the way I was going to run, obviously, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's you, the line and, and the marks and the dog, but 
it made me uh I was way more nervous until like I said I was dog 22 so when I got to watch some some other pros go out I was like well at least I'm not going to be the laughing stock of you know the pro division because there's guys going out in front of me so obviously that made me feel a lot better and then um you know, when we went up there and made it past that poison bird, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit because I would have been obviously in the third series with the amount of entries and what I scored. So I could have ended up competing, um, you know, further in the event. But it was a lesson learned. And, um, you know, looking forward to a couple of weeks from now, we got the paperwork squared away now. So we'll be in the amateur division for the next event. Hey, man, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you're going to be there in the amateur uh, division there in Okeechobee and you said you're gonna maybe compete in some other events later this year you've told us a little bit about Luna maybe for some people that don't know a little bit about Rob Robinette uh who are you sir uh you know what's your background what you do for a living I see your phone number is a 334 number that means you're from LA and I don't mean Los Angeles I mean lower Alabama so um tell us a little bit about who you are man and uh just so we can get to know you a little bit well so um South Alabama country boy farm boy grew up uh Grew up here in a little old town, um, born and raised, married my high school sweetheart, went to school with, and got two little girls. I'm actually in the ag business, um, do crop insurance for a living. Uh, also own a duck hunting business in Arkansas, um, which is, you know, where the ducks and the dogs come into play. Um, you know, it's very addicting, obviously, with the ducks, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a family ordeal for us, Michael and his wife, Jeanette. Um, you know, run the place for us. Um, like I said, I got two little girls, my 12 year old, she's actually competitive, uh, races side by sides, which is crazy. Um, I want a lot of people, she's the mud diva. So if you ever get on Facebook on social media, check her out. We, uh, traveled the country this time of year, which kind of conflicts the whole dog deal, um, with the games that we, I would love to go play with Luna. I've got other obligations with my daughter and, uh, racing competitive side by sides. And then I got a little six year old that, she hadn't quite figured out what she wants to do yet. She gets to follow around in her older sister's foot, footsteps right now, but probably going to be racing side-by-sides as well. She grew up at a mud park, and um, that's about it, man. I We love to spend time at the beach uh, down and out. We were actually on the river today. It's uh, 84 degrees and sunny down here, so we had a good time on the river and uh, just love hanging out. Wintertime, I love to spend in Arkansas in the summertime in Destin, Florida. Hey, man, that sounds like a, a perfect, beautiful life. Uh, what do you hope to get from the Super Retriever Series this year, whether you run one more event or multiple? What's kind of what's your takeaway from from competing this year? Uh, just to get – just for me and Luna to keep bonding. I mean, you know, we bond really good during duck season. And, you know, hunting's fun for her. But, you know, sometimes the training and, um, you know, that kind of thing, she can get kind of lazy, I guess. Uh just building trust. I mean, I, you know, she's got all the trust in the world to me when it comes to ducks and shotguns and that kind of thing, but she's still kind of skittish with when I stand up at the line, whether even in training or even at the SRS event that I ran, you know, it was, I could tell there was some trust issues with her and just me and her to, to get our bond built, you know, to complete that where I can, she knows when I say back or give her a cast or whatever, just the full trust in me and her. Awesome. Hey, before we let you go, a quick question for you. One thing we're doing this year on the podcast is we're asking all guests of an episode to tell us if we interviewed somebody in the future, uh, when we get the chance to talk to that guest, uh, what's a question you want us to ask them? So, you know, who's a, who's a person in the SRS uh, that you would like me to ask a question to? And when I get that chance to them in the future podcast, I'm going to say, hey, Rob Robinette wanted me to ask you this question. What's, who's the guy and what's the question? Mm, 
man. Uh, Jerry Day, and ask him a question about Super Sue. Perfect, man. We will do it. Super Sue. Everybody tries to. I think Super Sue is the measuring stick, right? Like Jerry Day and Super Sue are the one where everybody's like, "That's someday where I'd like to be." So. That is definitely something that we will ask Jerry about when we have him back here on the podcast. But Rob, wanted to thank you for spending about 15 minutes with us today. And thanks for taking part in the Super Retriever Series. And we'll see you out at some future events, man. All right. Sounds good, man. I appreciate it. All right. That wraps up this episode of the Behind the Line podcast presented by the Super Retriever Series. I'm your host, David Hamilton. And special thanks to Ethan Corcoran and Rob Robinette for being our guests here today.